Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Uh, that's right, you're listening to the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR. Uh, raise the roof, my name is Shane, and I'm in the studio with Pam and Jeff. Um, how are you doing today? Hi. Good. Um, great. So, um, look, some fairly sad news to start the show. Jeff uh, is in today because he's actually leaving HAG after... How long have you been? Only 24 years. Only 24 <laughs> years. Um, we have some staff younger than that now, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Very depressing. <laughs> um, so we're really excited to have this opportunity to get you in to, to talk about some of your experiences at HAG over the years and some of your ideas about what the future might hold. Um, you presented this show for quite a while during that time as well. Is, is that right? Yeah, I make, actually remember starting it um, mm-hmm. with uh, Larissa from 3CR who used to coach uh-huh. us going back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah so... It's, as you say, it's been a long tradition to, to do Raise the Roof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it started around 96 or 97. Does that sound... Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess I might start by asking, you know, 24 years obviously is a long time in itself, but you were already working in the area of kind of housing activism and justice before that. Um, can you talk about that background and what sort of led you to HAG? Yeah, well, I often say that um, when I started working in the housing sector in the late 1980s, that... Uh, Things have just steadily got worse ever since then, so I feel partly responsible for how bad things have gone over the years. But just to put it in context, um, the 80s was a quite a vibrant time in terms of activism in the housing sector. Mm-hmm. The Victorian government at that time, uh, there was you know there was a, a stream of extra public housing being built every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were, and the work that I was mainly involved in was called estate improvements. So there was a budget mm-hmm. to refurbish all of the public housing estates across Victoria. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I got first employed, but employed directly by public tenant groups. Mm-hmm. So the Victorian government funded um, a huge community structure at the time. There was Shelter Victoria as the statewide peak. There was um, regional housing councils in every uh, region of Victoria and on as well as that there are about 52 public tenant groups right across the state uh, funded uh, to support uh, tenants in their areas mm-hmm. so um, and I remember in those days what they called a long waiting list for public housing then was about two years mm-hmm. so as we know now we're talking about 20 years plus yeah. in many cases for, for people who don't have um, priority circumstances yeah two years is about your priority yeah. this time but it was also a really strong time politically, and there were lots of all of those organisations would often come together on campaigns, and probably the strongest campaign we had in the West, where I, I worked at Braybrook Maidstone Public Tenants Union, uh-huh. uh, with Roger Taylor, who's a lot of people will know. Roger is a long-term housing activist, and April Bragg, and April was involved back in those days. Um, who's not long been out of HAG as well, mm-hmm. 
And one of our big campaigns was um, to stop lots of evictions that were happening in public housing. Mm -hmm. And we had a policy across the board in the community sector that uh, anyone who was in rent arrears shouldn't be evicted Mm -hmm. because if they're in rent arrears, there's a reason for that. The government needed to get to the bottom of, you know, what what the person's problem was, that they were getting behind in their rent. Violence and that sort of thing was a different matter. But for rent arrears, we didn't accept that. We went so far as to um, to develop um, anti-eviction squads mm-hmm. where – and I can re- vividly remember the day that sort of turned my mind around about um, how important this was. I remember we defended a flat of a, a woman with two kids and we physically defended her place. We, we mm-hmm. actually had cupboards up against the front door. The cops came along and the Office of Housing were there smashing through the door with axes mm-hmm. to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, it was covered by the news. It was all over ABC and commercial TV that night. We had um, people like Paul Adams and Colleen Hartland, who was a Greens MP, uh-huh. um, filmed clinging onto uh, the bull bar of a removalist truck <laughs> as it's driving <laughs> this person's furniture away. But then I remember going with this woman who was evicted um, and her two little boys, they were both, you know, about uh, five or six years of age mm. and going into the local office of housing area office. And I had a little one little boy on each and he with with his their mum next to next to me. And we just said, we are not leaving this office until you uh, house these people because they were so distressed. It was such an awful experience. And they were <laughs> taken aback by that. And the, the officer went back into uh, the, the bowels of their office and area manager came out and started to try and negotiate with us. And by that stage, I was able to get a message out to other people to come into the office. Mm-hmm. And the upshot of all that was that we occupied the office for about two days mm-hmm. and locked ourselves into their offices on this demand that um, these people needed to be housed. Mm-hmm. And that was one of a number of other groups, public tenant groups, that were defending people on their estates at the time. And there were a number of occupations of area offices that even escalated to um, occupations of the minister's office, which in those days was at 250 Elizabeth Street, <laughs> uh, almost on the corner of, I think, Lonsdale Street in Elizabeth. Uh-huh. Um, yep. I think they're now student apartments or something like mm, that. That'd be right. We had a picket line out the front. Um, people will know the great author Frank Hardy. Yes. Frank Mm. Hardy had a radio program. I think it was on 3KZ or something like that at the time, Mm. a nighttime program. He came down and supported our picket line. (laughs) Um, I remember uh, going and picking up Frank from his place and (laughs) taking him back after the picket line each day. Um, And, yeah, there were the the minister's advisors at the time included Richard Wynne, who's the current housing minister. Mm -hmm. Oh. (laughs) And so... You know, it was real battle lines drawn at that stage. Mm. And, you know, we, we fought very hard for that policy. We didn't achieve it. Um, in the end, the government defunded basically all the public tenant groups. We were banned from entering uh, Office of Housing area offices from that point onwards. And that, that ban covered a number of people, went on for many years. And that was a Labor government that did that? It was a Labor government. Barry Pullen was the housing minister at the time. Joan Kerner was the Premier. Mm-hmm. So it was in the dying days of the that uh, Labor government before the, the draconian <laughs> Kennett government came in and things got even worse from so there. So this, this lady 
did they tell her what they were doing with her furniture and all that sort of thing and, you know, no, nothing, no. nothing. They, they were so organised. I mean, they just had the removalist truck there, dragged all the furniture just out. Just vigilante. Take it, it off to, yeah. to mm-hmm. storage somewhere God. and just leave this person with that, her little traumatic. kids just um, crying on the, yeah. on the doorstep. Yeah, that's just, awful. Just appalling. Yeah. I mean, you know, these things are still happening today. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah, so. Yeah. I, I guess that's the key that back in those days there was strong activism. There was a strong squatters union at the time mm-hmm. too. So mm. in that situation where someone was evicted from their housing, the next stage after us being there was the squatters union would come in, yeah. retake the place, and and people would move in and, and live there So because mm. we didn't believe that there should be any un, unoccupied properties. Well, mm. Now the officer housing likes to fill the empty toilet with uh, concrete so that squatters yeah. won't be able to occupy the, <laughs> yeah. the property. <laughs> That'd, that'd be right, yeah. The, um, I but, believe there's a – sorry, just to break in, there is, I think, a protest this Saturday or a rally this Saturday at the Walker Street Estate in Northcote, which is uh, where the last remaining residents who are holding out against eviction there have, right. have received their notices to vacate. They've got an eviction date. Um, so there'll be a rally this Saturday afternoon. Um, I'll put some details about that up in the show notes for the program if people yeah, want to get down. Everyone should try and get down there. Yeah. I, n- I noticed the Alamein area – uh, that's all cycloned off and they're bulldozing it to the ground. Have they rehoused those people or have they been evicted? I think most of those people have been offered transfers mm. elsewhere. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's happening on a number of estates. Yeah. And Shane, you're probably more up to speed with Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the arrangements for to, to rehouse people while the estates are redeveloped have been a, a bit confusing. You know, people have been promised that they'll be able to move back into public housing at the end of it, but it's not really clear that they'll actually be public housing well, that's suitable for them that's, that they'll actually be able to move back into. Because there's also a segment of private development. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and a lot of, sorry, the, a lot of the new social housing on these sites is going to be managed by social housing providers as opposed to, to public housing. They did that at Aitken Street, Williamstown. Um, they said to them all, look, we'll give you houses and we're going to make these really lovely and, you know, and you can come back and all that. Mm-hmm. So they put them down to Point Cook, mm-hmm. gave them houses, yes, but they never came back. They were never allowed back, and yeah. they never did anything with it. And yeah. it takes years to do those developments too. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, by the time people have moved elsewhere, their yeah. opportunity to move back might be gone. And, exactly. And you may only have a – probably be only a proportion of the housing yeah. that's redeveloped as public yeah. housing, so it yeah. may be limited anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just sort of sucking it back, yeah. um, how did you end up at HAG? How, how did you come to get involved there? Well – as I was saying, in terms of the Kennett government then coming mm-hmm. in, and um, the Kennett government took things even a step further. The, the Labor government got rid of all the public tenor groups, the mm-hmm. regional housing councils, and defunded Shelter Victoria, mm-hmm. which has never been funded again ever since then. Yeah. The only shelter in Australia that's not funded by a state government. And the Kennett government came in, as we know, and just just slashed and burned everything. everything. So I remember at the time there was something like 50,000 public servants that were mm. dismissed um, and every small community group in the state was defunded. It, those that were left were put on contracts which um, wouldn't allow them to speak publicly. Uh, it was a real draconian state at that time. And we also, that from the 1980s, both from federal Labor governments and Liberal, started the whole process of the decline in um, investment in public housing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a coincidence that at the time when they were defunding all the tenant groups and all the community groups in housing, 
was matched with the decline in housing stock, and they certainly didn't want any protesters around mm. while they while they uh, went down that path. Mm. Um, well, I guess my next question is, um, what are some of the biggest achievements that, that you see for yourself and for HAG over the time that you've been involved? Yeah, well, I, I guess from those early days, HAG was a bit of a safe haven for for the few of us who were able mm. to find a, a real grassroots community group that was left. Mm-hmm. And and that's what HAG represented. And um, as everyone knows, people like Pam and others, uh, older people were the as always have always been the lifeblood of the organisation. Mm-hmm. Lots of people will remember Molly Hadfield. Mm-hmm. Other people like Edith Morgan. Even other amazing activists like Ruth Crow, who was an incredible activist in inner, inner Melbourne. Um, and Wendy Lowenstein, the author, was was really involved in lots of issues in those days. Um, that that was sort of the gra- the grassroots or the, the the strong element of housing for the aged action group. We were located still in Ross House. We've always been in Ross House, mm-hmm. next door to another amazing organisation called the Older Persons Action Centre, mm-hmm. and one just across the corridor called the Union of Australian Women, mm-hmm. which Union of Australian Women is still going, and they're mm-hmm. they're an amazing organisation. Mm-hmm. OPAC, the Older Persons Action Centre, um, that closed a number of years ago, but it was really, I think, the essence of HAG was that these are people who who grew up during the Great Depression. Yeah. They were used to having nothing, but then having to fight for everything. Mm-hmm. So all of those people that were at HAG and the Older Persons Action Centre and the UAW, who were activists in those areas, all started out as younger people fighting for um, employment rights. They were often shop stewards in factory floors, like stocking factories and things like that yeah. during the war. Or they were... Um, then later on with families, they became activists fighting for childcare rights and all those sorts of things. And then, you know, people like Molly and Edith, they then, as they got older, they started fighting for the for the rights of older people. Mm-hmm. So it was a natural connection over that time. And I, I think that sense of the, those people who had nothing but really uh, fought for other people, fought for community mm-hmm. and believed in the right of everyone to have good services and support – was really the the ethos on, on which um, HAG has really developed and continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that seems like a, a good spot to hear a little community service announcement, and then we'll be back and talk some more about uh, the last couple of decades at HAG. Celebrate your furry and feathered friends at Pets in the Park for a day of entertainment, competitions, wildlife encounters, and interactive demonstrations in the name of responsible pet ownership. Interactive Australian Wildlife Encounter, The Root Keepers, return, along with animal behaviourist Lara Shannon from TV's Pooches at Play. And vet expert Dr Melissa Meehan demonstrates animal first aid for that special member of your family. Pets in the Park, Sunday the 22nd of March, 11 till 4pm, Central Park, Malvern East. The City of Stonington is a 3CR supporter. FreeCR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. FreeCR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at FreeCR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch.
Uh, you're back on 3CR with Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show. My name's Shane, and I'm here with Pam and Jeff. Um, and Jeff's just been telling us about uh, his history at HAG and some of the, the organisational history. Um, so we were going to talk about some of the big successes over the years. Yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll just mention a campaign, and I'll mention a bit about how we've built our funding and our base. Um, back in the year 1999-2000 was the first time that government started to uh, look at the idea of transferring public housing stock across to the community housing sector. And this uh, bloke called Hal Bissett wrote this report called the Social Housing Innovations Pro- uh, Programme, commissioned by the Victorian government at the time. Uh, the director of housing was Jennifer Westacott, who's now the head of the Business Council of <laughs> Australia. So you could see which direction they were heading in. Um, and that proposed that a third of all public housing stock be transferred to community housing providers, mm-hmm. the churches, all sorts of not-for-profit, so-called not-for-profit organisations like that. Mm-hmm. And HAG was the only organisation in Victoria that stood up and said this shouldn't happen and fought against it. Mm-hmm. I remember we tried to have a number of public meetings, invited the whole community housing sector to to get involved, and no one would touch us with a barge pole. They mm-hmm. just did not want to know. So, Did they understand why, Jeff? Well, I think what's – it even started back then, and it's, um, it's much bigger now, but there a lot of people became invested in the community housing sector, so that became their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. So as these community housing organisations developed, that, with all the cuts to the Kennett government with independent groups, you had basically the funding of these vested interests of community housing organisations. So that the sector itself was was sort of decimated in terms of activism. Again, as I was saying before, except for this last bastion of HAG. Mm. And we ran a really successful campaign with postcard campaigns to the minister, demonstrations in the street. And one of our biggest coups was Kenneth Davidson, who a lot of people remember as as an economics journalist with The Age. He used to write really prominent articles. He wrote this damning article in The Age that said the government's handing handing over $4 billion of government assets to to the churches and all the the private sector, as he called it, a privatisation attempt. Mm -hmm. And that article just sent shockwaves through the ALP. Because, again, this was a Labor government, not a Liberal government. Labor government, that's right. Yeah. But stopped them in their tracks. And we went on a road tour through Victoria with Ken, giving talks to all sorts of community organisations as to why this shouldn't happen. And so, yeah, that was our big effort, I suppose, back in those days to try and stop the privatisation of public housing. The other aspect... I should mention is just how we've built the integrity of the organisation based on the fact that um, as well as us believing that housing is always the fundamental issue, we need more public housing, we also believe that every older person has a right to get help when they're in housing difficulty or at risk of homelessness. True. So we, from the very early days, we had funding from Consumer Affairs Victoria. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was only a couple of days a week, and that Mm -hmm. built up to about four days a week when I started there. Mm -hmm. That eventually evolved into having a retirement housing service as well as a tenancy Mm -hmm. advice service. Mm -hmm. And as a lot of people know, um, in more recent years from about... um, 2012, we've had our Home at Last service funded by the government that is the only 
really the only service in Australia that's like it, mm. where we provide assistance to older people at risk of homelessness to help them transition from precarious housing across to long-term public and community housing. We have to use the system as it is. Um, and what's so pleasing and we're so proud of the fact is that ever since we started that service, our advocates are so skilled, people like Shane and many others in the organisation, yeah. that our track record is we're housing about 70% of people within three to six months. Yeah, it's great. Just because yeah. of our skills and and because of our fundamental belief that housing rights are human rights and we don't believe in government policy as such. Government policy, if anything, is an obstacle. If it doesn't reflect basic housing rights and human rights, then we fight against that policy and we appeal decisions or we, you know, we would go to the minister's office, for example, and say, this is unjust. You need to, you need to change this policy because this person needs to be housed. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and I, we're talking, Pam and I were talking off air just how when Pam came to the organisation, you had that sense of integrity in yeah, the place. Yeah, exactly. And, and a pure feel. You know, yeah. like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, when you talk to Shane and when you talk to others, they, they, it was a real honest, pure feel of wanting to help, you know, wanting to help people, you yeah. know, and would go out of their way to do whatever they could to help people yeah, you know, yeah. and give advice and, you know, put them in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. But I should also say that um, for, for many, many years, HAG uh, relied on one year at a time funding. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really difficult period of, you know, probably for 10 years or more of my time working there where you'd get halfway through the year and you'd have to start negotiating and lobbying for your funding again. And it was just this com- continual treadmill of having to fight for funding all the time. So, you know, I think it's important for our organisation and the community to understand that at the moment where we've got ongoing homelessness funding and we've got, how long is our consumer affairs funding? Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a real... It's a short time, isn't it? It's yeah. a luxury, not a luxury, it's... We have the right. That should mm-hmm. be how it is. Mm. Yeah. But um, it was it was hard fought to get to that stage. And I've got to say another quirky thing was it was um, the current Premier, Daniel Andrews, when he became – he was actually Consumer Affairs Minister for six months. Mm-hmm. And it was just prior to a state election that I think they lost. And he introduced three years funding for the mm-hmm. very first time for Consumer mm-hmm. Affairs funded agencies like ours. Mm-hmm. And so he made sure that the funding went over the election cycle and was funded into the next uh, Conservative government. So, yeah. That's one no, good one thing. One thing to thank Daniel for <laughs> is, is his foresight as uh, the short-term Consumer Affairs Minister. Yeah. Well, I think he's had – I mean, I think his influence on Consumer Affairs has been quite quite positive. The rental law reforms that came out over the last few years seem to have had a yep. lot to do with his his particular, uh, you know, strong beliefs about tenants' rights. Mm. Yep. Um, not necessarily reflected by the individual Consumer Affairs Ministers over that period. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, look, we're, we're nearly out of time, so I guess my last question is kind of in two parts. Um what do you see as the, the big challenges that are coming up in the sort of near to, to mid-term yep. um, for HAG in particular and for the, the broader movement for housing justice? Yeah, I've got to say, as I was saying before, things have just got worse ever since <laughs> I've been involved. And as I go out the door, I've got to say that I'm really quite scared and worried about housing at the moment. I've been doing a national project for the last four years and just as an example, I've been working in Queensland quite a bit lately mm-hmm. and it's really frightening that um, we haven't 
because we haven't had a housing policy at a Commonwealth or a state levels for you know probably 25 years that included incre- increases year on year in public housing supply, that ever since then we've had all those cutbacks. What what this um, means in more recent times is the only time we've had an increase in housing supply was you know uh, during the global financial crisis when the Rudd government yep. between 2009 and 2012 to get the, the uh, building industry going put $6 billion into building mm-hmm. social housing and that built about 20,000 dwellings at the time mm-hmm. which was a, a really good boost to, to, mm-hmm. to affordable housing supply. So that happened. After that, um, Labor governments also introduced the National Rental Affordability Scheme, NRAS. And again, there were about 32,000 NRAS contracts drawn up across Australia um, where subsidised rents are provided to people in the private rental sector. Not as good as public housing, but it was still a mass national program of housing supply. Mm-hmm. Those contracts are in the process of winding down now, 32,000 of them, and 60% of them finish by the end of 2024. Mm -hmm. So we've only got a few years. If there isn't another mass national housing supply program to come on board uh, from then, or they're actually starting to expire this year, those contracts, it's going to be an absolute disaster. And For example, I met a woman in Brisbane who lives in a cluster of 72 units owned by a private developer, and he's told them, at the end of this year, I'm selling all the properties, Mm -hmm. you're all going to have to get out. That's going to be a scenario right across the country. Mm. So governments believing in the private sector, uh, moving away from investing in public housing, expecting the community housing sector to to build housing with their own resources when they have none. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just a policy setting to, to fail, really, yeah. the only way we'll get anywhere is to have governments invest in public housing. So what needs to be done, I'm really convinced now that we can't rely on governments. We can't even rely on the community sector anymore, I don't think, because half the sector are people in the sector are too young to remember when we had housing supply. Yeah. Yeah. The other half, as I was saying before, have got vested interests because they're working for community housing organisations. Mm. I'm really convinced that we need a social movement to try and turn this around. Mm-hmm. And I've really got a lot of heart in things like our the national organisation we're developing at the moment called NASH, mm-hmm. which stands for the National Alliance of Seniors for Housing, mm-hmm. which at the moment we've got older people from across five states of Australia with lived experience of being at risk of homelessness who are campaigning and planning on having big actions through this year and next to to fight for housing justice for older people. So I think that's the only way we're actually going to get change. I mean, as as you speak, I I hear both the negatives, but also see some opportunity there. You know, you're talking about the last wave of of housing construction being in the context of the global financial crisis. And right now we're looking at, at a new recession for the first time since, what, the early 90s. And so the question really is going to be whether whether there can be social movements that can push the government, which obviously is the most useless government imaginable in these circumstances, yeah. to actually invest in in the community, in, in housing and, and otherwise. Yeah, if it takes uh, another crisis to get housing supply going, then we'll take it. <laughs> but we'd say to governments, if you do that, 
make sure that becomes a housing policy, mm. not just mm-hmm. in response yes. to every time there's a global Setting crisis. Setting concrete, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. need new yeah. housing construction every year. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm. Look, we are out of time. Before we go, I just want to give out the contact details for HAG. So if you're listening and you're either an older person in need of uh, housing assistance in some respect, or if you're interested in getting involved in some of the more like activist uh, policy-type work that HAG does, please give us a call. Uh, you can call us on either 9654 7389 or 1300 765 173. That's 1300 765 173. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, oldertenants.org.au uh, is the website. Um, or listen into the show on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for coming in and, and sharing your reflections with us. That was amazing. Pleasure. Yeah, um, thanks, Jeff. It was lovely to hear what you've got to say and and it's nice to know um, that you're still going to be around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still, I can't ever leave this fight alone, so I'll be back. <laughs> All right, Good. that's a great note to leave on. So we're going to f- leave you with a song. This is Robin and Dancing on My Own. Mm-hmm.